Well, welcome to, uh, to Holy Trinity Sunday, uh, and um, it kind of becomes by default Creation Sunday, because even by the, the appointed verses, we read the whole of Genesis chapter 1. I took out the second one of those readings, uh, mostly for length. I always thought it would be really cool if you could read that verse to like dim all the lights and put like a big star, you know, one of those star balls all over the ceiling and, and play ambient music. And I, I, I realized, man, the technical problems of balancing out the ambient music and the reader. Uh. But visualize, visualize in your mind then, you know, what it, what it must have been like when the story was told for, you know, the rabbi, the teacher, the storyteller sitting there in ancient Israel under a desert sky with no light pollution, so you could see absolutely every star at night. And it was totally bright, and you would have seen there, and he would have sat there telling you the story of how everything started out as some sort of, they, they call it a formless void, full of waters. So it's a void, but it's got waters, whatever that means. And it's all dark, and there's no light. And then it says the Spirit of God comes over these waters, and quietly comes over and then just begins to separate one thing from the next thing. And as everything gets separated, more life comes about. And then more life is created and there's more distinctions. And as you sit there listening to the story, you realize that as everything comes together, it's just because God does it. And it's peaceful. And there's no violence. There's no new gods smashing the old gods like the Greeks, or there's no uh, you know, great hero warrior who slaughters the dragon. That's what the Babylonians believed. You know, when Gilgamesh cut the dragon, the guts fell open and rotted, and that became the earth. Yay, what an inspiring story. There you go, kids. But not in this story. No violence. No violence at all. It's completely peaceful. And that's not an accident. That's the whole, the whole point of this. Because it says something, not just about how God made the creation, but who God is. Peacefulness. The way God intended it. Have you, I, I don't know if you've ever talked, heard somebody use the phrase, the created order. Use that, I hear that phrase a lot in, in Bible debates these days. Because, of course, the Bible is a long and complicated book and has lots of different stories in it and lots of different rules, and they contradict each other in a lot of different places. And so we as Christians have to sit down with our Bibles, and we got to kind of pick, and pick through which ones we're going to follow. And somebody will always come up and go, you're just picking and choosing. Well, I mean, I don't see you, you know, having two completely separate kitchens to make sure the meat and dairy don't touch. I don't see you checking your clothes to make sure there's no wool and linen mixed together. In, in the Bible, that's an abomination. And you can be punished for that. On and on. There's lots of rules you don't follow. You know, and they say, oh, oh. But those are in the temporal order, not the created order. And I'm like, oh, so what does fall into the created order category? And, and, the, and then they'll say, well, you know, what falls into the created order rules about sexuality and gender and marriage and family because God made Adam and Eve in the creation. And I go, oh, okay. 
And so then they'll pull out a verse like 1 Timothy 2. That's one of the favorite ones. That, one, that one's like the billy club of literalists, you know. They pull, out, pull it out because it's in the New Testament too. It's not even one of those weird old laws. It's a new one. And it says, I permit no woman to have authority over a man, but in silent and reverent submission should listen quietly. And they go, see, and this you must follow because it's in the created order. I'm like, well, I don't read that in Genesis. But B, did you read the other part of that passage, the one right before it, that says, I permit no woman to come into worship with braids, gold jewelry, pearls, or fine clothing. I'm like, do your ushers check for braids? Do your ushers check the jewelry? Hey, Judy, is that a gold bracelet or is that fake gold? Let, let, let me do my, my test on here. You can't come in with, with real gold. It's against the Bible. And then, then I'll say, oh, you don't do that. And then they'll go, oh, but that's different, they'll say. Because it involves gender and sexuality. It's created order, and it's locked in for eternity. But that was just a temporal thing for that particular time and place. And I'm like, okay, let's go back to Genesis. What is in the created order when God created it in Genesis 1? Well, in Genesis 1, you look at a world that's at total peace, total harmony. People were created, and they lived among the plants and the animals, and they were all in harmony, and they didn't know good or evil. They had no knowledge of good or evil yet. They, they didn't know right from wrong. They were just, you know, sitting there in a world, and everything was good, right? It was kind of like, you know, the hippie dream, right? Dude, just get in tune with the world. And the hippies were partially true on that. You know, there's a kernel of that. The Garden of Eden was a little bit like that. Everybody at peace with the world, minus the LSD and the Jefferson Airplane. But that's the vision in Genesis 1. The beginning of a good world, and we're part of it. And we're in tune with it, and we're in relationship with it, and there's no rules. No laws, no hierarchies, no order at all. That's the created order. No order, just relationship. Created order has no rules, just relationship. That's why I always say, well, it's kind of your understanding of the created order isn't mine. People in the Garden of Eden weren't forbidden to do anything. Well, eventually, chapter later, they'll be told not to eat the fruit. But that's it. Didn't say anything about women speaking up in church. That's not in the Genesis. Right? Remember, the created order, people are at peace with creation, and the creation is made by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit is what it says comes over the waters of the void, which is a lost Pink Floyd album they didn't publish. <laughs> what does that mean for us? It means a few things. It means that spirituality is being in tune with God and God's creation. Say that again. Spirituality is in being in tune in harmony with creation. Why do people go to the mountains to find spirituality? Because on the mountain you're more in tune with creation. Because if you walk to the top of that mountain... You, 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 you had to work hard to get there. 
And you had to climb over every rock and cactus and dodge every snake. And you could feel it in your breath and in your feet and in your calves. And by the time, and, and the mountain is big and it's powerful and you can't conquer it and you can't change it. You have to be in tune with it or you'll never make it to the top. And by the time you make it to the top, A, you've been able to stop thinking about the bills and your frustration with bill and accounting. And you get to the top and you can look around and there you really are more in tune with it. And so that's where our world tends to find, uses words like wholeness, oneness. Now they mix it in with other things like finding myself that maybe aren't as biblical, but I think what they're getting at is that we are in tune with spirituality when we are in tune with the world. It's that relationship again, that harmony the mountain isn't prettier than the valley or the plain, but it requires you to be a bit more in tune with it to get there, to look around and to see. This is, uh, I took this one from the top of Mount Wrightson, 9,477 feet. My calves were very in tune <laughs> for the next week. The way down actually hurts more than the way up. Uh, right? So I would say, that if, all you, if you sit there and all you look at is the mountain and you don't look beyond to where it points to the spirit that blew over the water to make the things, then you're only kind of halfway there. To be in tune with creation is to return to that state where we are in harmony with each other, where we are in relationship, where we don't need laws or rules because we have relationship. You know, you, you, you don't need a rule telling you not to be mean to someone when you really truly love someone. And if you don't, you're not going to trash something that you really care about. If you trash it, it means you're not in relationship with it and you don't care about it. What do we, what do we say? I mean, think about what we say about families. We, we talk about broken families. It's when the relationship goes bad and there's tension and there's conflict. That's when things don't go as well. It's the lack of that relationship and connection, which is why creation comes up on Trinity Sunday. Every year, I trot out this image on Trinity Sunday. Can we get it up there? Can we get Rublev? There we go. Every year, I trot out this picture. It's painted by a Russian monk in the 1400s named Andrei Rublev. I love it because it shows as good as anything the way God is and the way the Trinity works. I mean, you can see you have three persons and they're all sitting at a table. They should be completely around, but they have to open the table so we can see. And they're different, but they're kind of the same. They're at peace. In the middle is the sacrament. And uh, so they, there they are. No violence, no conflict, no battle, just peace and harmony together. The three of them. They have things in common, but they are different. It shows relationship, but distinction. That's our world as God made it. Together, different, but at peace. Not governed by laws and punishments and hierarchies, but love and interconnection. The order of God is the order of the creation of God. And when we talk about finding peace and being at peace and things like inner peace, 
It is achievable for us by going back to being in tune with the creation that flows with God's Spirit. The chaos of the water of the void is covered with God's Spirit. And the Spirit swirls over the waters, over the chaos of life, to restore us to a state of relationship where we are with each other and at peace. If you sit and think about all the things in your life that create pain, heartache, frustration, how many of them have something to do with a broken relationship or things being out of tune or disconnected? How much of it is, is, is brokenness? How much of it, of course, is the opposite? Not enough relationship. Loneliness, emptiness, not feeling wanted. You know, I won't say it's everything, but it's a lot of things. And a lot of our problems stem from that. Being out of tune with each other in our world. That's why we call it brokenness. But in God's order of creation, we live in peace, in togetherness. And God wants that of us. So peace is possible in God's spirit, in that spirit that brings us together, that floats over the chaos, that calls us to live in a relationship with one another and the world that God made. Amen.